They thought it is. It's some little radio transmitter, 3505 megahertz. Shit, that's the Morse code. Oh shit. Flash, flash, flash. Solid. Flash. What the fuck? Keep, keep, keep going, that's fine. Uh, I've lost my pattern now, though. Keep going. Flash, 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 yeah. solid, flash, 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 flash. Two, ah, uh, time's out. Boom! Uh, my. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Connecting to Host. Today we'll be talking about Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, an exclusively cooperative game in which one player is trapped in a room with a procedurally generated bomb and one or more other players who cannot see the bomb have a physical manual which contains the instructions to defuse that bomb. Uh, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes is available on Steam for €14.99, which I guess is around £11. Uh, and only one player actually needs to buy the game, as the other players will use a PDF or a printed version of the manual and communicate over Skype or maybe in the same room, depending on how you're set up. So, what are you playing this game on, Ben? Uh, well, since we last recorded, um, I've invested in a, a proper gaming PC, so I'm uh, all tooled up with the latest stuff. I've got a GTX 1080, a nice i7 uh, top-of-the-range CPU. Um, I think 16 gigs of RAM. I might have more than that, actually. I forget. Uh, but interestingly, for this game in particular, I also have some Hue light bulbs, which I'll talk about later on. Cool. And I'm also playing it on basically the same setup because I've upgraded to a GTX 1080 myself as well. And again, for this game specifically, I'm using the HTC Vive. So I'm having a nice VR experience. So do you want to run us through some of the features of the game, Ben? Yeah, sure. So uh, first of all, I mean, usually with this uh, show, I mean, we're focused on co-op gaming. So we talk about some of the single player features of a game. Uh, this one's fairly unique in that it has no solo features at all because you physically can't play it without someone else. I, I mean, you could try, but it would be insanely difficult um, <laughs> to be diffusing a bomb and also reading the manual on how to do it. Uh, I think you can do it. I imagine there's probably some good speed runs and that on YouTube of people doing it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, so basically, the, the game itself um, is you're going to be diffusing a bomb. Um, this is done in sort of 35 like scenario campaigns, um, and they're split into seven chapters, which range from fairly basic stuff to start out, like cutting a few wires here and there. Uh, and then you get more challenging and exotic things and needy modules and all kinds of other stuff that happens. Um, there's also a free play mode where you can specifically set up what kind of bomb you want to be diffusing. Um, but probably better if you sort of run through how a typical game works, I guess, and then we can get into those things. Yeah, definitely. So Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes is unique, I think, in the way that you, you actually play the game. So um, before you play... You'll fire up Skype or some other communication method. You might also be in the same room. And you have to make sure that the other player, in this case there are two of us, there could be more people with manuals. I've seen uh, YouTube clips with 
three or four people rushing through the manual to help the guy defusing the bomb. I guess that might make it a bit easier, but on the flip side, it might make it a bit harder because conflicting information and the game's about communication, really, uh, and mm. getting the message across. So assuming you, Ben, are sitting on the other end of Skype and you have a manual printed out or on your iPad, then I'd fire up the game, pick the next mission, and I'd be plonked into a room um, with a, a, a disturbing room that already has like a hole in the wall, which yeah. makes it seem like it's not the best place you want to be with a bomb defusing it. <laughs> Someone's obviously failed prior to you. <laughs> and I've only played this game in VR from the, the, the bomb diffuser's perspective, so it's uh, pretty cool to have that view as the first thing I saw, not just on a screen. Um, yeah, so I so you start the game and you're sitting at a desk and there's a bomb in front of you with a red countdown timer on and then up to 11 other modules and each module will be randomized so um the very first thing you'll do is you'll look around the side of the bomb and i'll describe to ben or the, you know, the, the features on the bomb so it might have a, a lit up sign with a couple of letters on it a couple of a batteries maybe a, a hdmi port on the side or something uh, and you have to go around all the sides to identify the bomb and this becomes important later because when you step through each of those modules, which are randomized, the way you diffuse them is actually based on the sort of bomb you have. So maybe if there's a module with a bunch of wires on, you cut the blue wire if the serial number ends in a number, but you cut the red wire if it ends in a letter, something like that. You can go through the modules in a bit more detail in a minute, but the important thing is the description of the bomb determines how you diffuse the modules. So you can't learn. You can get better at the game by learning how the modules are composed, but you can't just learn the solutions to the game. You can't be thinking, ah, this is one of these modules and that light's on, so click. And, you know, there's so many little rules and specifics that it's... Uh, unless you have an eidetic memory, then you're very That would much... be useful. Yes. <laughs> You'd have to play it a lot then, I think, still. But like A good uh, example, I've, I've got the manual in front of me, uh, is a module where there's wires to cut. Um, and so you sort of look at it and go, okay, well, there's like four wires here um so then me as diffuse uh, sorry as manual reader would say okay if there is more than one red wire and the last digit of the serial number is odd cut the last red wire <laughs> so i look at that quickly and then i say to john okay is there uh, are there any red wires and he'll say no and i go okay next one if the last wire is yellow and there are no red wires cut the first wire um, and there's loads of these there's like six or seven steps to go through for that so you've got to not only look at the module itself, but all the things surrounding it, like serial numbers and stuff, because that can play a part uh, in what you need to do. Yeah, um, like, that, that I, guess the, I guess the important thing to remember here is that I was sitting in my room with a VR headset on, and I'm the only one that can see the bomb. So Ben has no information at all about the bomb, and I'm telling you over, the, over Skype all these bits of information, how many wires there are, and obviously the whole thing is done under a time limit. So you've got maybe five minutes to defuse the bomb. And if you make early on, you get a couple of second chances. Like if you make a mistake and cut the wrong wire, then you lose one of three strikes. But later on as the game progresses, you can't make a single mistake and you have to do more and more work in less time. So you're yeah. hurriedly trying to describe, ah, oh, there's four wires. One of them is blue with pink stripes, I think. Red, pink, ah, oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> um and then you're looking at some table and I might be telling you stuff that's completely irrelevant, but it might also be the, the key piece of information that I've just whizzed over. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's I, difficult with things like uh, phonetic alphabets and stuff because they'll purposefully try and 
screw you up with this. Um, like there's one module where uh, a word will show up. Um, and mm. so the person has to tell you what the word is. And then the manual reader will then give them another list of words, which should be somewhere on the bomb that when they find them, that's the right one. And there'll be things like your, <laughs> but there'll be six variants of that word. Like it could be Y-O-U-R, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, just the letters U-R, uh, the word Y-O-U space A-R-E. And so you have to start spelling this stuff out. And it's like uh, lots of things like that, like the word there. Well, that mm. could be several different, again, like it could be T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. And so you have to sort of speak that information over. But the key to the game is being concise and being able to get all that information over as quickly as possible because you don't want to waste time. But you also have to be very accurate because if you don't spell certain things out, then that's the difference between uh, you blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like the way that we got got kind of uh, a language going as we were doing this. So one of the puzzles has these weird symbols on it and they're <laughs> not symbols you would know from the alphabet. So you have to describe them. And to start with, you're like uh, a triangle with, with some legs underneath it and this, that, the other. And then you might end up just saying triangle man um, yeah. <laughs> because you've, you've built the lingo. So I really like that. But maybe you want to go through some of the modules and the, the components that you might find on the bomb in a bit more detail. Yeah. So um, there's wire ones are, are quite common and um, they'll be sort of like there's literally a number of wires going from left side to right side um, and there'll be different colors some will have stripes and things um, and that one works by basically you say how many wires there are and then uh, the manual will tell you which one to cut based on other information around the bomb so that's a fairly easy one um, one of my favorite ones because it's a little bit different is uh, the button and it'll mm. just be a single button with some text on it um, so, for example, uh, if the button is blue and the button says abort on it, hold the button and refer to releasing a held button. And then you look down the manual and there's a bit called releasing a held button. Uh, if you start holding the button down, a coloured strip will light up on the right side of the module. Based on its colour, you must release the button at a specific point in time. So if there's a yellow light lit up, then you have to release the button when the countdown timer has a five in any position. <laughs> so that one's kind of interesting because you're sat there waiting for it to finish and when we first started playing it we'd be sat there waiting so if you were like say i don't know two minutes and 49 seconds you have to wait to get to 245 before you can release it but as we got quicker sort of you would say another module name and then i'd be scurrying through the manual to find the correct page <laughs> so that i had everything ready as soon as you'd release the button and we're ready to do the next thing um so they're kind of interesting uh, you briefly touched on the one with the strange symbols. That's like a mm. keypad where there'll just be four symbols and you just have to press them in the right order. Um, and in the manual, there's just columns of these weird symbols in a list. So you have to identify from the description of the symbols which list to use and then read them in order so that he presses the right ones. Uh, there's a game of Simon Says where the colours are different. <laughs> which is horrible because it'll be like, OK, if you press, if it's a red flash, then that means press green. And then it'll go red, green. Okay, okay. well, if it's green, then that means it's yellow. And red is green, so press green, yellow. Uh, and that gets quite confusing when you're going back and forth about what to do. And that one has an interesting mechanic in that if you have a strike, uh, which is when you have pressed something incorrectly, um, then that changes the order of them. So I remember one game where we messed up and got the color wrong. Mm. And then you tried again and you already knew what the right one was because you remembered the first part of the sequence and you started it and then it blew up because <laughs> the sequence changed. was kind of different. Yeah. 
because of the strikes. So I mean, that's just a few examples. There's, there's loads of them. And they get really uh, messy ones. and complicated, right? Like the Morse code one we found particularly oh, hard to start with. So just, just <laughs> horrible. You, you literally just have this flashing light and you have to be saying, okay, dot, dot, dash, space, dot, dash, dot, dot, space, dash, dot, dot. Uh, I, I think that's it. I don't know. Right, dash. And I was terrible at it. If you do it to me, I can't. I, like we stopped playing at that point because I could not process them for you. But then when we played in the roles reversed and I was playing uh, as the diffuser, you got those perfectly like every time. Mm. Yeah, we we found the right rhythm when we switched around, right? I think you were better at describing the pattern and I was better at looking it up on the page. Yeah. So it, it worked that way around. But the other way, I think we still couldn't do it. <laughs> okay. the more, like, as soon as the Morse code one came, like, uh, restart. <laughs> There's a couple of other cool things. Um, I mean, the interruptions, I guess, was nice. Like, there's an alarm clock in the room, and you'll be halfway through diffusing a bomb, and all of a sudden the lights go out, and and this alarm starts going off, like, beep, beep, beep. Ah, what? (laughs) Just distractions in the room. You have to put the bomb down and then pick up the alarm clock to mute it, or if the light's (laughs) gone off, you can sort of shake it or whatnot. So it's pretty cool. And there's also needy modules, right? Yeah, the needy modules are really interesting. They don't come until, I think, chapter five, but they're basically modules which um, need constant attention. So a good example is one that's just a countdown timer, and it's just going from 45 seconds down to zero. And when it gets to zero, it'll go off. Um, And when it starts going down, what you can do is press a button on the module, and it will count back up to 45 much quicker. Um, so it like fills up like a little meter and then it starts decreasing again. So basically every I don't know, 30 or 40 seconds, whatever you're doing, you need to remember to go back and then hold that button down to recharge it up and then carry on with what you were doing. And that's good because it um, a lot of the time can be spent with the person with the manual, thumbing through the manual, finding the right pages and trying to go through all the conditions to work out what needs to be done. So the diffuser can be just sat there twiddling their thumbs for a bit. Um, so those are quite a good way of them having to do something and remember to do it without needing the manual reader's help. Mm-hmm. Um, although some of them get a lot more difficult where you do still need the manual reader to tell you certain stuff. Um, they get quite difficult. There was a, a vent gas one that confused me all the time. Mm. <laughs> it was just a simple yes, no game. And it's like, do you want the bomb to go off? And you have to go, no. But didn't um, this yes or no switch around sometimes? I can't remember. No, the problem was that... Um, it, w- it said, should I vent gas? And I always mm. sort of thought of it like a Portal 2 sort of like nerve gas being deployed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I always said no, and then it would blow up and I couldn't work <laughs> it out. And instead, you were venting gas from the bomb so that it didn't blow up. Mm. It's like, oh, you have to say yes to that. But then <laughs> it might have that question four times, so you get used to just pressing yes. And then it'll say, do you want the bomb to go off? And you press yes, and you go, oh, no. <laughs> Which sounds so stupid when you say it like that. But in the everything the is, moment when there's yeah. so much going on it's uh tricky but the needy needy modules are great it's a, a nice mechanic to the game just to keep you on your toes a bit so uh because i played it on the vive i think i might talk a bit about the vr experience and i guess we played it first on the vive which is cool so the graphics themselves are fairly uh, colorful i guess you could think mario galaxy or something almost like it's a bit more realistic than that but it's a, a fairly colorful vr friendly you don't need super hardware to run this uh, no. good job we got our 1080s right <laughs> <laughs> um 
but no, it's a, it's a nice colourful but, but fairly simple graphical style, which works well because it means you can clearly see the components of the bomb. And as we said earlier, the very first experience you have is well, the actual menu is actually sitting in a kind of a desk office at a desk in an office room, which is cool. So you can just look around with the VR headset, pick up the the book of jobs on the table, pick which level you want, and then it transports you to the the room with the bomb in it. And as you said, sort of the first time, it's it's very immersive because it's just you're sitting at a desk like you I am as a player, which is cool. And in front of you, there's a bomb on a table with a little alarm clock to the left and then a massive set of scorch marks on the wall <laughs> where it's all gone wrong in a previous uh, previous episode. And the flickering light stuff really works well in that situation because as you're immersed there, like when the lights go off, uh, they really do. It's not like mm. when you're looking at a screen, you, you're literally just sat in darkness and you can just make out little bits of the bomb that you're trying to go, oh, is that wire blue or red? Because you need to tell the person to sort it out. The light from the alarm clock just shining at the bomb. But like you say, in VR, it's super cool because you can turn around and see the broken light behind you flicker back into life. Um, <laughs> so that was that was really nice. And I know you had a few issues with the kind of blurriness on the VR headset, but I found yeah. it... Um, Yes, everything in the Vive is a little bit blurry still, and, and we perhaps should do a whole different episode on gaming in the Vive because that's really interesting. But um, but I didn't find that a problem. I think this game, things like Elite Dangerous have a problem because there's a lot of text on the screen, but this doesn't have that much text. And where there is text, like the number on the bomb or the characters on the buttons, they're all fairly big uh, generally. So And you can kind of put your head closer to the bomb if you really need to to see up close. Yeah. Um, but I never found it a problem, and I, I really like the immersion from the, the VR headset. There's no room scale or motion controllers, although I think that kind of is the right choice because you use the Xbox controller to get around the bomb in a really precise manner because you don't... I think if you tried to use the motion controllers to cut wires that are all very close together, it's going to be a disaster and you'll be angry at the control scheme. Whereas with this, you just put the headset on, pick up your Xbox controller, and then you can navigate the menus... And turn the bomb around with the right stick and then select different bomb components using the d-pad and activate them pushing a button so it might be to activate the wire you cut it activating the button you push it etc but it clearly highlights the component you're going to interact with in green uh, and then you push the button to interact with it so it was it was really tight and i liked that because in a game that's all about speed <laughs> if getting around the bomb with a pain then it would become frustrating and, and the game would fail i think so the control scheme was very good, and the VR experience I found amazing. I thought it was really cool. One of the when I first bought the Vive, I was thinking, "Ah, oh, super realistic is the only way to go, and everything else is going to look <laughs> look weird and wrong because you're trying to be there." But actually, I found these kind of responsive, colourful environments to be really immersive as well, and it's no different in this game. So I think a large part of that immersion as well is that VR really works when you stop thinking about it. Um, and you don't think about it because you're defusing a bomb. So <laughs> <laughs> your mind is pretty much like subconsciously you you not thinking about. Hang on, this doesn't look quite right. I'm not in a room. I'm sat at home um, <laughs> because you're you're focused on that. And you we did that first um, over Skype that you were on VR and I, I was here in the UK while you were in Sweden. Mm. Uh, and then we switched roles about probably about a month later, I think we gave it another try. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to try, they, they just launched a mod support via Steam Workshop. Um, and one of the mods that I'd seen is called Hacktain uh, and allows you to use your Philips Hue light bulbs um, to gain a, 
I, I wouldn't say a similar immersion to the VR experience, but something, you know, a halfway road, perhaps. Mm. Um, and so with that mod enabled, um, I basically turned off the lights in my office. So I'm sat in darkness with my blackout curtains. Um, and then as the when the game starts, it's dark and then the lights flicker on and then the bomb's there. And then all the lights in my room came on with the hue bulbs. <laughs> Um, but one of the things we didn't mention earlier is when you get to the last minute of defusing a bomb, um, mm. just to add, you know, a little bit of extra stress, not only does the noise of the bomb get a little bit faster, <laughs> but then uh, there's this red pulsing warning light in the office that you're in. So not only is it red and you're like, oh, well, it must be the last minute, but it's also sort of fading in and out constantly so it makes it slightly harder to see things and you panic a bit more um, and that worked beautifully with the hue mm. light bulbs because literally the lights in my room were synced perfectly to what i was seeing on the <laughs> tv and That's when really cool. uh, when like the lights go out and stuff like that they do that in the real world as well so it was kind of a cool immersion thing uh, but like you were saying with the xbox controller because i obviously had to use that as well at my end um it worked really well for moving around and uh, diffusing all the various bits and pieces. So even when you're not in VR, I still find that that is a good control method for the game. Mm. And you Speaking mentioned... Of, sorry, yeah, mods. More mods. Yeah, you more. mentioned mods, and um, I actually downloaded and had a quick play with uh, the toolkit for making mods, and it's really cool. So it's um, it's quite accessible, and the game's made in Unity, which... I think in the past has made it quite hard to make make it moddable, but they seem to have done a really good job here because you can you can open up their Unity projects and they've got a whole bunch of samples. So they've got a very simple bomb component or a new widget to put on the side of the bomb, which you can use to identify and mix up your puzzles. Um, and they've got a new looking bomb, but there's also room mods, so you can actually change the whole look of the room, which means you can... I'm not going to say you can mod everything because obviously there's going to be each kind of bomb component is very self-contained, so I think it might be quite hard to make something which doing a puzzle over three different components maybe, but for the most part you can add an awful lot to the game and it's very accessible. I think the only limiting factor really if you, well I guess this is me saying this because I'm a coder, but <laughs> I think the uh, you obviously they give you some template artwork, but I think you would want it to fit in and look good. So I mean, uh, the actual programming time for a lot of modules should be reasonably simple because it's, you know, there's four buttons, put a number on the screen, and you have to push them in this order or something. So I think the coding is, should be fairly simple, and they set that up in a way that it can be quite simple. Um, because like we were going to, we were going to do uh, a mod, weren't we? And then yeah. we kind of got bottlenecked on the art because neither of us are artists, and I think it no. would look a bit crappy if we'd <laughs> what not I did, had good um, art. What I did appreciate about it, though, is that they also give you the templates for making uh, the manual pages so mm, that they really yeah. fit into the style that they have. Because the manual is beautifully done. It's like got a, a typewriter feel to it and it's got a little ink splotches and stuff on it to make it look like it's been, uh, you know, well used. Um, and so uh, they actually have a website that you go on and you type all the stuff in there. And then it's just a HTML page, which you can export as a PDF. Mm. Um, and that was really cool because that was like my first question was, well, how are you going to make the how are you going to make the uh, manual pages look good? Because I had like this vision of you put in these horrible, like just you know, <laughs> something we typed in Word and just printed out. Uh, so that was pretty cool. But there's all kinds of mods available. Like um, 
uh, there's one that's just called the double decker where it mm. just adds another 11 module spaces so you can have like <laughs> 22 different modules to disarm uh, no i think there's not a huge amount of mods yet but the ones that there are good and hopefully we'll see some more i guess there's only one room mod but i think you'd like to tell talk about this because uh, you <laughs> like this a lot i love this because you go on and they're obviously all the mods are broken down into categories it's like modules and widgets and all kinds of other stuff and then there's just room mods and it just says one <laughs> and you click on it and it's the room is no longer an office uh it's the front of a bus that you have to drive <laughs> while you're disarming the bomb so it's uh very much like speed but you literally have to uh disarm the bomb and then you can put it down and you can pick up the steering wheel to avoid things <laughs> which is uh such a great idea for a mod i really mm. like that but I've not um, thought of anything else that you could really do with a room because the room is just, I, I guess they thought more people would want to change the room, but I think that the, the default room is so good. Yeah. Yeah. To really change it, you, you could, you know, make it slightly different um, and you can change like the casing of the bomb and stuff like that. So there's a lot of customization available. Um, and I th- where- some of the mods are really clever. I mean, I question whether they actually make for kind of fun game mechanics, but some of them say, uh, figure out the exchange rate between these two these two currencies and because yeah. they have a a feed they can talk to online which has this data then it requires the manual reader to get a phone out or like a laptop out and, and look up online i mean again i question whether it's actually a good idea i mean you'd need to definitely know it's there before you do it otherwise <laughs> there's an extra component that the player might not have but it shows a lot of ingenuity and i think that's really cool and we might see some really funky modules that and some of them already feel like they should just fit into the game as if they were made by the developers, and that's really nice. Um, one of my favourites. One of my favourites is a uh, widget um, called two-factor authentication, and it just adds a little six-digit code to the side of the bomb that every minute it changes. So rather <laughs> having a static piece of text like they do, like uh, for example, when I was saying with the wire cutting, oh, if the serial number ends with an even number, then cut X wire. Um, it's exactly the same thing with this, but the difference is that that number changes every minute. So you have to move the bomb to check if that is still true at the point when you're disabling that bomb, which I quite mm, like, or make yeah. sure you do it within the minute. Um, so there's a lot of interesting ideas there. We should probably wrap this up and start getting into our likes and dislikes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to start? Yeah. I'd, I'd just say from a, a like perspective, um, I really enjoyed the difficulty ramp up. Like it started off fairly easily and sort of like we made good progress. I'm like, okay, uh, this is actually fairly easy. Um, and then it gets more difficult uh, sort of gradually. There's like a nice feeling of getting accustomed to each of the different mods that's available, the different modules, sorry. Um, and then they start bringing the difficulty in later. Uh, so you have quite a lot of time to get acquainted with these things. It's actually quite easy to start with, um, but it isn't easy to finish. It gets very difficult <laughs> towards the end, but it's a, a good difficulty curve, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, we didn't run into problems too early, but when we did, there were fun problems. Like, ah, oh, we've messed up, and that's kind of fun. So. And it always felt like we could we could do it. It's just a mm. case of, of we had to just get a little bit quicker and work out a few things. And so we'd sometimes we'd take like a little break between retries and go okay well let's change how we deal with that bomb when we get to that you say it like this and i'll do this um and it was kind of fun to sort of create our own way of uh speaking about disarming Mm, yeah yeah so i mean one of the things i really liked and i mentioned this earlier was just the vr experience i think um 
there's not a huge amount of VR games out there yet, but this uses the Vive really well. And it's a, if you've got a friend on Skype, which you hopefully have if you're listening to us on this show, um, <laughs> then it's definitely worth picking it up if you have a Vive headset and just giving it a try because the experience alone is really good. Um, and also with the, the VR experience, um, I came over to Sweden for a weekend uh, not long ago mm. um, and then I played I, only very briefly. We didn't actually play a proper game, I don't think. But I put on the headset and I had a little look and play with uh, the bomb and that kind of stuff just to see it in VR. Um, and of course, as in VR, you've got the headset on. Um, that works very well two-player gaming as well where one of you can sit there with the manual because obviously they're not going to see the bomb or anything because it's only showing in the headset so you can do it with people locally um definitely easier with vr i think um because otherwise you would need to like turn the tv around so that the person reading the manual can't see the tv because otherwise it's a bit sort of takes away part of it um, it's kind of nice that doing it across different countries i literally have no idea what john's looking at when he's looking at the bomb uh so it makes it much more interesting and i think it'd be a little bit it just wouldn't feel like a good game if i could see what he was seeing mm, agreed definitely what we did um just while i think of this because it was kind of fun uh when we played the two of us because i wanted to show you my hue light bulbs when i got that mm. working we facetimed on our mobile phones <laughs> like we just propped them up next to each other so we could see each other's faces but not see what we were doing. Um, and that was kind of fun because it felt like being in a film where someone's diffusing a bomb and you get like the little <laughs> grainy picture of them sort of like talking through. So that was actually kind of fun. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah, that was good. And then I could see your room flashing. And I was trying yeah. to read the manual and my screen was just flashing really like bright red. It's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, another like for me is that you only need one person to buy the game um, because mm. uh, I did worry that this might not be fun for the person doing the manual reading. Um, but actually it is. It's a huge amount of fun. Um, so, you know, if you're on a tight budget or you and you've got a friend that's got the game already, you can just play as the manual reader and still have a lot of fun with it. Um, and similarly, if you're, you know, got like a, a party or something like that and you want to try it out with VR or with multiple people in the same room, you still only need one copy of the game and, you know, it works much like couch co-op, I guess super weird right when you fire up a game and you say right i'm ready to play and normally your first reaction is to fire the game up on steam and try and connect to the host but, um yeah but uh, you just sit there with a manual like i guess i'm ready too <laughs> one of the nice things that they've done is uh, that when you fire up the game um you have to enter the code number that's on the manual that you're going to be using mm. because over time they might patch things in or add other modules. Uh, so you have to like enter 148 is the number that's printed on your particular manual so that the game knows which set of rules it's using because I assume that they've made changes and tweaks. Yeah, and I presume at some point it will tell you to print new ones out if you've got the wrong ones. Or... Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Um, but we... Uh, I didn't for the first time. The first time I printed it out and I had like a little pencil that I was doing. Later on, I started using an iPad because it's much easier to be able to doodle over the top of the manual and write notes and then w wipe it clean before we started another run. Yeah, um, I found the iPad Pro really good for that. I guess a traditional iPad you might not have the same experience with, but the iPad Pro with the pencil yeah. was uh, really useful for that. And on some of them, I wrote down some notes to make it easier. Um Oh, I can actually colour this in, and that helps me find my spot quicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, you I mean, need more likes? Yeah, so I just want to say the overall experience I really liked. It's kind of hard to put into words, but I felt that it was a, a true co-op experience that focused on the communication between us. We actually, you know, the game itself was obviously half puzzle solving and half just communicating and trying to shorten that down and work together to be more efficient. Maybe, hey, that's going to take you five seconds, so I'll do this in that time. And it felt like we were both both growing together in the, in the strategy. I don't think I could just take the skills I learned playing with you and then pick it up and play immediately with someone else because no. we'd have to learn that again. So that was really, really interesting and cool. And again, part of the experience was just the tension that grew as the, as the time started counting down. You're hurriedly looking around the bomb going, oh, there's two modules left, 45 seconds. Can we do it? Can we do it? So, oh, Simon says, oh, green, red, red. No, 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 it's blue. Ah! Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it got crazy at some points. And that was really fun as well, because you sometimes you just do it and sometimes you don't, but it really evokes that feeling of being in a room with a bomb. Yeah, that was it's very, very nicely made. It's a good uh, example of a clever idea, well executed, I think. Yeah. Uh, certainly for co-op play. Um, it leads me into a dislike, though, uh, is that the bomb is completely random each time. Um, I mean, with the campaign, sometimes there are specific modules that will show up. But as you get further in, it gets a bit more random. And you'll, you know, if you retry, you'll have different modules in different places. Um, and obviously, all the different components are randomized. Uh, so sometimes you end up with things that are much harder than others. Like if you end up with two Morse code puzzles, a maze puzzle, uh, and a complicated wire puzzle, um, then that's horrible. Whereas sometimes you might just get a button, two wire puzzles, and... <laughs> you know, a word game, and it's like, well, that's easy. Uh, so due to the randomness of it, some games, were it felt like we wouldn't be able to do it no matter how good we were because the odds were stacked against you slightly because you've got the most difficult widgets there. Um, but then I guess that might be different for different people. Some people find the Morse code one ridiculously easy and find the wires difficult, maybe. Um, yeah, I've got a feeling that while the bomb is randomised, they have a selection of easy and hard modules, but... Yeah. Like you say, different people. So a bomb will have three easy and three hard, maybe. And but for you and I, the Morse code was particularly hard, whereas yeah. the maze was quite okay. It's fairly time consuming, but we always did it. Um, and I, I think, was quite good at the maze, but the Venn diagram one was horrible, where you had the different mm. striped wires. I could never <laughs> do that one, but you were good at that one. So it's it's different, but it's just the, the, be aware. But if you ended up with three oh, of the same one, like if you ended up with three of the wires or three Morse codes, then then you basically lost, right? Yeah, it's just like restart this. <laughs> so I, I I really liked um, all the modules they had. And I think, yes, some were harder than others, but that was good. I think, I don't know, I felt there could have been a, a little bit more to the game. Like maybe we said that there's a, a room mod, but there was only ever really the alarm clock and the flashing lights. And I think there could have been a few other things in the room that happened on later levels to, to surprise you a bit further. Uh, maybe even different room setups, just so that you had a bit more variation as you play. Yeah, that's um, true. And equally, I, I think there are only two or three needed modules, right? Yeah, the scope to add in, add in a few more of those. But I, I don't feel like I was shortchanged. But if I was going to try and make the game a little bit better, I think just adding just a little bit more would have been would have been nice. I never liked the alarm clock because why would you take an alarm clock into a room with a bomb that you're diffusing? Like, what yeah. could possibly need an alarm? <laughs> and surely it's a bit weird you'd unset it before you brought it in the room as well. <laughs> yeah I, I didn't understand the point of that like the lights going off i get um but like you say they could have made it a little bit more like 
I mentioned if a room was like a bunker and it's like being shelled or something, so there's like dust falling from the ceiling and occasional mm. explosions outside or something. Or, you know, just a little bit more variation, different settings to be diffusing bombs, and different designs. Maybe they're thinking people were going to mod that in, but just people haven't bothered. Um, a lot of but... work, I think, and probably a little payoff. That's the. I think I would love to mod something like that, and I think it'd be cool to have a bunker which is being shelled, but. Yes, Oof. time consuming. Yeah. <laughs> the only other thing that I disliked uh, was uh, I didn't enjoy the VR very much. Um, it, I found it a bit too blurry for me. Um, and that was on your Vive. Uh, mm. I played it at your place. Um, but to be fair, I had been playing two hours of other VR games in a row. <laughs> and I was sort of looking around at the menu system more than the actual game. So yeah. I wouldn't pick, put too much stock in that. But I found it a little bit like, eh, I was like, ah, I kind of prefer having it on the screen and having my light bulbs <laughs> rather mm. than having this stuck to my face. But um, <laughs> I think with a higher resolution in the future, when a new Vive comes out on new headsets, once they've fixed a few of the general issues of VR at the moment, um, it'll this game will certainly still be awesome at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But obviously playing it at like, uh, I play on an ultra wide screen, so I'm playing it at three forty, three four forty by one four forty. <laughs> so to go down to slightly above ten eighty p in each eye is a little bit difficult because <laughs> the resolution Peasant drops. View. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and the ultra wide master race. I'll be joining you soon. Um, but no, I guess just to bring this to a bring this to a close. But I mean, overall, I thought it was a great experience. I really enjoyed my time with it. I guess we must have played maybe eight, nine hours. Um, uh, yeah, something like that. I, I have the exact number. Oh, actually, no, I don't have the exact number because it, <laughs> it won't track my time on no. Steam. I wasn't playing it half the time. I was using a manual. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so maybe eight to ten hours we played it, and I and I think that's good value for money. I'm not yeah. sure if we'll pick it up again unless they add some more updates. Um, but I reckon I've we really would. enjoyed it. Yeah, maybe once or twice again in the future. Uh, yeah. But I've I've really enjoyed it, so I don't think feels sort of changed. But I I kind of for now at least feel kind of done with it. So yeah, played it, I, enjoyed it, had our fun, I'm done. Yeah, the only comments that I have that are sort of you know, not likes or dislikes, just just comment, um, is that there are some really good guides on Steam that people have put together. Um, like there's one where a guy's made like a flow chart for Morse code shorthand, which is really interesting, <laughs> and seeing the way that some people have approached how they have uh, shrunk down the information to be as tight as possible is really interesting. So it's worth worth playing it for an hour or two and then having a look at some of the guides to see how people are doing it. I mean, obviously, mm. it's, it's not like a guide or a walkthrough for another game because it's not going to help you massively. It'll just sort of change your thinking about how you could relay some information. Um, so I really enjoyed that. It put a different spin on it. Um, and the only other comment is that you have to use a controller um, you can't play with a keyboard and mouse. Um, mm. You can't play with the five, uh, whatever they're called, touch things. Yeah. Uh, you have to use a controller. Um, I think it might even have to be an Xbox controller. Probably not, but I, they certainly recommend an Xbox controller. Yeah. Um, so bear that in mind if you don't have any controllers at all and you're thinking you can play just on the PC with a keyboard and mouse because you can't. <laughs> So we always finish each episode by asking ourselves two questions. Would we play it again? And would we recommend it? So your thoughts, Ben? Uh, I would definitely like to play it again. Um, I thought that when I came to see you in Sweden that we'd get a few beers and play this in a room together because I 
think it would be quite funny being slightly mm. slightly tipsy trying to do this um because there's a lot of uh, banter and so on it's, it's a lot of fun uh, and i thought with two people in the same room it would be but we actually never did that because we ended up basically laughing at me trying to drink wine with a headset stuck to my face while <laughs> shooting stuff in vr so, <laughs> so we were playing other things um but I would definitely like to play it again, even remotely. I think um, mm. it's a lot of fun. I, I kind of want to get to the end of it. Like I would like to finish the campaign just to say that I'd done it um, and to unlock a few of those achievements that I love so much. <laughs> um, so I, I would play it again. Would I recommend it? Uh, definitely, definitely. If, you, um, if you've got a friend to play it with, that's the key part is that you will need a bit of time to get into it and you do need two people um, and someone that's up for it but you'll have a lot mm. of fun and it's a, a lot different to most other co-op experiences out there so it gets big thumbs up from me cool yeah uh, me too i mean I, I can definitely recommend it and i second that thought make sure you're going to play it with a good friend not don't expect to play it with some random online no uh a, there's no scope for that because obviously there's no matchmaking because you play over Skype. I'm sure you could probably find people on the forums, but unless you can trust them, I think, well, you know, unless you know they're going to be around for a bit and you might play quite a few games together, I'd suggest playing it with a good friend or someone that you know from work or something. You know, Just something like that. Uh, will we play it again? Like I say, I would like to finish it. That would be kind of cool. Um, I, I would definitely play again if there was some more content or a cool mod or two that came out I'll be like, yeah let's download the mod and play it um but there's obviously so many other games to play as well that's the that's the uh, forever thing right if if we didn't have a steam yeah. backlog so long I'd we had unlimited time yeah. <laughs> yeah then i would definitely play it again um but i think we probably will but i think it'll probably be in like a month or two we'll say hey let's just finish that game off because it's cool and then we'll download a couple of mods and we'll, we'll finish off the the main campaign and that'll be really fun so yeah uh awesome well thanks for listening if you want to check out some of our other episodes, then check out our website at connectingtohost.co.uk or throw us a message on Twitter telling us if you like our, like our show or not and if there's any games you'd like us to play in the future. And if you really like the show, we'd love it if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a review. So, I've been John Wordsworth. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>